the, the Crossing uh, is a great church who helped us get started and has supported us in all kinds of ways over the years. And next week, we are becoming a campus of The Crossing. It will still be us, uh, same day, same times, starting in October. September is going to be different times, a little bit different, but uh, starting in October, same time. Still same people meeting in the same building. Uh, most everything won't change, but the name on the door is going to be different. Uh, the, the style of the services might be slightly different, and that's okay because it's not about that. It's, it's never been about that. So this is our last day at Verve, and we thought it would be appropriate to take a look back at some of the uh, godliness and goofiness that we have shared together. Uh, we got a little video for you. The video actually starts in Virginia Beach with me making the announcement that this church was going to come into existence, and then you're going to see some of yourselves in this, so check this out. Hey, I'm Vince Antonucci, and I'm part of a small group of radical people, about 25 of us, who are moving to Las Vegas to start a brand new church on the Vegas Strip. And so the name we've chosen is Verve. We were born to embrace, not accept it. We were given nothing more, so we kept it. As the colors of our boots keep fading, Live a life that we hate without saying Who would listen to the cries of a poor man Never done nothing, how can we be something Every heart has an hour of existence Every breath brings a chance for redemption If somehow we could wake up Let us love Back uh, here on uh, on between two verb buckets with um, Vince uh, at a ten out of shy. My researchers have told me that you have a tattoo. Um, yeah, I have one or. I'm good. I'm. If I just, I could. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna punch you in the throat. You're so cute. Let me do it. Oh! Oh my goodness. <laughs> I would have to say, hold, I can feel it in my ears. There's a brain sense attacking my nose. <laughs> I really am. I don't know if I can breathe right. Man, I, wow, I am dying. I thought I was gonna throw up on camera. I still think it's. Let us slow. Make us feel like we're still living in a world I know is burning to the ground. We are hurt 
Until then, and as always, Viva La Verve. 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 Hey, let's, uh, let's pray together. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's pray together. God, thank you for uh, who you are, uh, for letting us know you. God, thank you for what you've done. Um, those, those little video clips are just a, um, a little smattering of uh, a much, much bigger story of how you've changed our lives, how you've changed our eternities, how you've allowed us to be used by you to change the lives of others. God, we are so grateful for everything that you've done, and we are so grateful for our greater future. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we started Verve 13 years ago for one reason, Jesus, so that uh, this church would be about Jesus, it would be for Jesus. Uh, it would be so that we could know Jesus more and so that we could help more people to know Jesus. And we're excited for this transition uh, because the crossing is all about Jesus. And through joining them, we're going to know Jesus more and we're going to help more people know Jesus. Because, man, when you know Jesus, you want everyone to know Jesus because Jesus is the best. Jesus is what life is all about. Jesus is the path to life. Uh, Jesus is what every single person needs. When you know Jesus, you want everyone to know Jesus. And I, I want to show you two stories in the Bible today uh, where we see this. Uh, they're both in the same chapter. We're just going to read through this chapter together. together Luke chapter 5. And in the first story, we're going to see that we need to do whatever it takes to help people to know Jesus. Uh, starting in verse 17. It says, One day uh, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. So this guy is paralyzed, and back then, people would have assumed that that meant that God was not for him, that his uh, sickness was a punishment from God and made him not good enough for God. Uh, what we're about to see in the story is that God was for him, that Jesus came for people just like him, and that is a big deal for us because I think we need to recognize that the paralyzed man in the story represents us. Uh, we all come from a place of lying helpless and hopeless on a mat. So I, th I think a lot of Christians uh, don't have compassion for struggling people because they don't remember life without Jesus. They, they kind of think that they're good because they're good not because of the work of Jesus in their lives, but without Jesus, we are all paralyzed spiritually. We, we can't walk out of our sin and selfishness. We can't walk into a relationship with God. We can't walk into abundant 
and eternal life. We are a lot like this guy in the story, or at least we were before Jesus. We're a lot like this guy who was paralyzed, and so everyone would have assumed God was not for him. Uh, Yet despite that, this guy has some amazing friends. And if you put yourself in in the sandals of these friends, what you're seeing is an opportunity to change your friend's life by getting your friend to Jesus. And these friends are willing to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. Uh, next verse says, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So the, the friends carry their buddy to the place where Jesus is teaching, but they can't get in because the house is packed. It's standing room only. It's like Allegiant Stadium when BTS is in town or, or Tay-Tay. And, uh, and so they can't get in, and they're looking at each other, and one of them must have said, guys, we have to figure out a way to get our, our buddy in to see Jesus, and the best idea they can come up with is through the roof. I'm thinking there had to be a better way, but that's, that's what they decide. Now, Put yourself inside the house for a moment. You've been sitting there for a while, and what you're seeing is Jesus teaching. And then some dust kind of falls around you, and you don't think much of it. But then a a, a piece of something falls and lands next to you. And, And so you look up, and you see there's a crack in the ceiling. And you keep looking, and pretty soon you see the crack is getting bigger, and you see fingers in the crack. And then the the crack becomes a hole and it gets bigger. And you see these hands digging through this hole. And then finally you see several smiling faces and one very nervous one that belonged to a man who was laying on a mat. Well, finally the hole is big enough for the guys to, to get their friends through. And so they lower him on the mat to Jesus. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, He said, friend, your sins are forgiven to the man on the mat. And then a minute later, it says, uh, Jesus, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, which was the very thing that he could not do, right? Get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up. What the heck? That, That just happened. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Wow. The the friends saw an opportunity. The people in the house saw a man lowered through a hole in the roof. I love what Jesus saw. Verse 20 says that Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith did Jesus see? The friends, right? He, he saw it through the fact that they were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. Uh, the Bible says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's what Jesus saw. Faith expressing itself through love. Because if you love someone and you're going to do whatever it takes to get that person to Jesus... You, you realize that it's worth it. it. It's worth the mess. It's worth the effort. It's worth the expense. And more than anything, I want to be the kind of person who, who digs holes in roofs. And I think we've been the kind of church 
that digs holes in roofs to help people see Jesus who might not otherwise see him in any other way. And that's exactly what these friends did. And just as they expected, uh, he leaves, his dear friend leaves, by walking out of the room, and he walks out with his sins forgiven because that's what happens when you get your friends to Jesus. In the, the second story, we see that not only do we, do we need to do whatever it takes to help people know Jesus, we need to do it even with the least likely people. Uh, the next verse says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So in this story, we meet a, a tax collector named Levi, and uh, of all people back then, uh, tax collectors were the most hated, despised, and considered the most sinful people of all. Uh, they were Jewish men who had uh, betrayed God and God's people by working for the Roman government taking taxes from Jewish people to give to the Roman army who were going from town to town demanding that everyone worship Caesar instead of God. And if you would not worship Caesar, you would be killed. And so Levi, a tax collector, is the one who Jesus asked to be his disciple. Like, can you imagine how shocking that is? And the answer is, we can't. Like, it's unfathomable what happens. So let's check out the rest of the story. So Levi, Jesus calls Levi, be my follower. What does he do next? Then Levi held a great banquet. He threw a party for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And Jesus befriends Levi, and Levi's automatic response is to get his friends to Jesus. When you know Jesus, you want everyone to know Jesus, and you will do whatever it takes. Levi throws a party. Uh, we have tried to reach the least likely. We've tried to do whatever it takes. And so we have done block parties, uh, billboards, uh, a mobile billboard truck, uh, radio ads, creative teaching series, and invite cards. And our pastor is getting a tattoo this Sunday during the sermon on stage. Uh, we'll give you a trip to Disneyland, like, like all to help you invite your friends to get them here that they might know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you want everyone to know Jesus. So, here is something fascinating. This is the plot twist, and it's quite a plot twist. Uh, Jesus went around saying things like, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He, he, he's saying, everyone needs to know me. And then uh, he says to his followers one day, he says, now I am going. Wait, what? He's leaving. Why? Why? If everyone needs to know you, then you leaving seems counterproductive, right? And then he says this. He says, your hearts are full of sorrow because I am telling you things. these things. I tell you the truth. It is better for you 
It's better for you that I go away. He says, your hearts are full of sorrow because I am telling you these things. And that might be how your heart has been since we made uh, this announcement a month or so ago. Hearts full of, of sorrow, which, which, man, I get it. Um, I, I feel that way. Uh, this is painful. God has done some amazing things in our lives in our relationships with each other, uh, through us, in our city. And, and now, this is not an end. It's not an end. We're, we're, we're turning a page, and it's a new chapter. But it, it kind of feels like um, at, at least the end of an era, right? The, the name of the building is going to be different. Next week, my, my wife and I won't be here anymore, at least for a while. And, and so there's grief, right? We, we, we feel grief. You, you've probably heard at some point of the, the stages of grief that most people go through when they receive, you know, something difficult in life happens. Uh, we, we'll probably, most of us will probably go through most of them. Uh, the, the stages of grief include uh, shock. At first, you just can't believe this is happening. Maybe you felt that way. Uh, denial. So a, a refusal to believe that this is real. Uh, anger. M- maybe you found yourself over these last weeks feeling angry at me uh, or angry at God. Um, and, and then uh, comes the stage of depression. Um, perhaps you've been feeling depressed about all this. And, and I just want you to know that it is okay for you to feel all of those feelings. Right? Th- those feelings are normal. Uh, they're natural. They're human. Um, it, it is okay to feel all those feelings, but some of the, the conclusions they're based on may not be correct, uh, like anger. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's any reason to be angry at me. Like, I, I did everything I could to keep this church going for as long as I could. Um, and, and there's definitely no reason to be angry at God. He didn't do this. Uh, it's, it's not his fault. In fact, what I, what I want to encourage you is instead of blaming God, um, I would encourage you to take all of your feelings to God because he loves you and because Jesus lived a human life. And that means that he's been through all the same kinds of things that you've been through. And so he can actually help you to process and navigate all your feelings. So, so all those feelings, while they, they may not be based on correct conclusions, re- regardless, it's natural to feel those feelings. Um, but in the stages of grief, you may know that there's a final stage, that the last stage is acceptance and hope. It's when you realize, okay, this is really happening, and maybe it's not as bad as I've been thinking. Like, maybe there's something really good on the other side of this. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples, right? He, he recognizes that their hearts are full of sorrow because he's leaving. But then he says, I tell you the truth, it is better for you that I go away. It is better for you that I go away. It's like, um, better? 
better. If, if I'm one of the disciples, that just does not make any sense to me. Right? I, I am absolutely sure if our goal is to help everyone know Jesus, the best thing would be for Jesus to, to stay right here with us. We get that, right? But like, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus was still here with us, like on earth, like living a life, you know? Why is it better if he's gone? So, so let's look at what Jesus says again, but I'm going to read the next sentence. I stopped short, okay? So, it's, so he says, your hearts are full of sorrow because I am telling you these things. I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I go away. If I do not, the helper will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, it's better if I leave because then I will send the helper you're like, the hamburger helper? What are we talking about here? I have no idea. What's this helper business, right? What are we talking about? Well, the helper is one of the nicknames for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And Jesus says, that is better. We've been in a series these last few weeks called Greater. Jesus is saying, it's greater to have the Holy Spirit than to have me with you. Why? Why? Well, for one, because it means that you get more time in the presence of God. You get more time in the presence of God. Uh, Jesus, because he was living a human life, was never in two places at the same time. Even though he was God, he uh, lived in a human body, and so he limited himself in that way. But the Holy Spirit is not. He can be in an infinite number of places at the same time. If Jesus had stuck around forever, it'd be super interesting. Like if he just continued to live a human life. Like, like, I don't know what he would do. Maybe he would do like a world tour every year. There'd be like t-shirts, Jesus, and on the back you'd get to see the dates and you'd be like, oh, he's coming to our town. And so like one day you'd be driving down the road and you'd be listening to the radio and on the radio it would say, this Sunday, 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 live, though he was dead for three days, Jesus, Jesus, at T-Mobile. And you'd be like, oh, cool, are you going? I'm going to go, are you going? We should get tickets, like we should go, right? And so maybe if Jesus was around, maybe you'd get to see him once a year. But because the Holy Spirit is not limited in that way, you get to be in the presence of God all the time. That is greater. You get more time in the presence of God. Um, so I, I've been thinking about this, about how little time you'd get with Jesus if he was still here. And, and, and I've been thinking these last weeks about how uh, I explained to you when I made this announcement about our joining the crossing that I am going to be stepping away. Um, so I, I know that some of you uh, like me being your pastor. Uh, I know it's hard not to lust. Um, pic picturing me in my bathing suit is not cool. Stop. Um, but some of you, despite the struggles, some of you like me being your pastor, but the truth is eventually I won't be your pastor, right? Like, like that can't last forever. Th this may be happening sooner than you expected, but it was inevitable. But I've told you that, but here's what else is true. I was thinking about this. For most of you, me being your pastor is 
a half hour of your week, about 42 weeks of the year. Maybe I also say hi to you in the lobby, but uh, if you've been around for a while, you have come to know that I am weirdly, awkwardly shy, and so you say hi to me, and you're about to start talking to me, and you realize, I'm gone. Where did he go? Like, I, he was, I said, he came up, and he was like, hey, and I was like, hey, hey, and, and oh, he's talking to somebody else. No, he's gone again, right? And so, so, so it's like, the truth is, 21 hours of your year uh, is what you experience as, with me as your pastor. And, and so I know it feels like a big deal for me to leave. It's not that big a deal. It, it's, it's a half hour a week, most weeks. And a church is not about the pastor. It's, not, it's about Jesus, and it's about the spiritual family that Jesus brings together, and it's about the mission that Jesus gives that spiritual family. And it's about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says it's greater to have the Holy Spirit here than to have Jesus here with us. Why? Well, first, because you get more time in the presence of God. Second, because the presence of God gets in you. I mean, like, having Jesus on earth for about 33 years, that was super cool, right? Because before that, God was up there, right? And people would pray to God and cry out to God, but he was up there somewhere. But when Jesus came, all of a sudden, it was like, he's right there. Like, like that's God. Like, you could go up and high-five him. You could pat him on the back. You shake his hand. Right? God's right in front of me. He's no longer distant. But with the Holy Spirit, God literally lives inside of you. The Bible tells us that. So, like, Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, you have the Spirit of God living in you. That is crazy. That's what we need. That's greater, right? And then third, it's not just because of the presence of God we experience in the Holy Spirit, but it's also because through the Holy Spirit, we get the power of God. Um, Look what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, and you will receive power. You will receive power. When? I want power. We need power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying, I am sending the Holy Spirit, not just to live inside of you, but to empower you. For what? Why does God want to give us this power? Is it to win the annual strongman competition? To win the annual face-slapping competition, it's a real thing, to win the annual Great British Baking Competition? No. Uh, Jesus says, I will give you the Holy Spirit so you will have God's power to be my witnesses. A A witness is somebody who shares with others what they have seen and what they have heard. And we share. And we, we, uh, tell people what we have seen and heard about Jesus. That's what he told us to do. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Um, let, let me tell you some, show you something else Jesus said. Um, 
this is crazy. Okay, when you read this verse, your eyes should cross. You should be like, that's really, that's in the Bible. This is for real. So uh, John 14, 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, which maybe there might be a few people here. We often get people who are like, I'm just checking things out. But most of us would be like, that's me. I, I believe in Jesus. Okay, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus did some pretty great things, right? If you read the story, you're like, he did, he, he did great things. But here he's saying, you're going to do greater things. That, 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 that just seems crazy. How? How? He says, because I am going to the Father. Well, what makes that better? He says, you'll do greater works because I'm going to the Father and... I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Oh, that, 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 that's like what we saw a minute or two ago, right? That other verse that said, he said, because I am going to send you the helper. And here he's saying, um, you are going to do greater things because you will be empowered by the helper, the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and that is exactly what happened. After Jesus left, his followers did greater things than he ever did. Uh, and you can read about a lot of those things in the Bible book called Acts, where you will see uh, the good news about Jesus finally going out to the entire world, and where you will see uh, the people of God finally forming the church for the first time. We, we get the first snapshot of the, the church. What is a church? What does it look like? What do they do in uh, the beginning of the book of Acts in chapter 2? It says, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, I mean, to God's word, the Bible, right? And to fellowship and sharing life together, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And isn't that a great picture of the church and, and, and by the way, what was the name of that church? We don't know. Who cares? Doesn't say, right? Oh, 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 and who was the pastor of that church? We don't know. It doesn't say. Who cares? What was important enough to actually write down is that they were learning together they were fellowshipping together. They were breaking bread together. They were praying together. God was doing amazing things amongst them. There was generosity. They were meeting each other's needs. And as a result, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In the book of Acts, we see thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus because that's what the church is about. When you know Jesus, you want everyone to know Jesus. And what I love is that uh, what this church has always been about is going to continue to be about because like us, that's what the crossing is all about. 
It's about people coming to faith in Jesus. It's about people becoming a part of the church and finally getting a spiritual family. And it's about embracing the mission that Jesus has given us to help everyone know him. If you've been here the last three or four weeks, uh, we've played this video, not the video we showed you today, but this video we've been playing every week, uh, which has been really cool. Starts us as Verb Church, and, and, and you see people uh, in this video, uh, you see the amazing things that God has done in us and through us, except this is not just a video of Verb's history. You thought it was, but we actually tricked you because this video is a combination of images from Verve's history and from the crossings history. And what's funny is as you watch the video, even if you watch it now, you can't tell which is which for them. Unless it's you in the video, you're like, I don't know which one's Verve and which one's the crossing because we do the same things. Like we've always been about the same things. And our future together is going to be combined as well. And it will be better, greater. We are going to help more people know Jesus. And we are going to know Jesus more. And he will do greater things through us as we stay connected to and rely on and are empowered by his Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, th this moment um, feels kind of awkward, right? Um, sad, definitely awkward. Uh, but here's what I believe. I believe that this moment, and I don't mean like this month, I mean like this exact moment that we are in, as awkward as it might be, I believe that this is a great moment because it's leading us to something greater. We may just not recognize it yet. There's actually a lot of movies that have this kind of moment. This, the, the moment where it's awkward and you don't recognize that anything special is happening, but really something is. And, and, and there's a, especially a lot of movies like that in the 1980s. And um, often that moment in the, the 1980s movies leads to a slow clap. I've actually done some research uh, over the last couple of weeks. I discovered, I didn't know this, that slow claps started before the 1980s. There is even kind of a slow clap in a movie I've actually never seen, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. <laughs> kinda, kinda, right? And so uh, you may know this if you've been around for a while. We have a history at Verve of doing slow claps. Now, listen, the, the, the deal with a slow clap is you need to know exactly when to do it. Look, you can't just start a slow clap at any old time. You gotta wait for the right moment. But how am I going to know when it's the right moment? Oh, 
You'll know. You'll know. You'll know. And, uh, and when it's the right moment, this important moment that just feels awkward and no one realizes what's happening, but, but it's leading to something greater, when it's that moment and the slow clap happens and you do it right, magic. think this is the right moment, but we got to get it right this time, okay? And so to have maximum effectiveness, it has to build slowly. So you have to follow my lead. We can have no independent thinkers in this moment, <laughs> all right? Because this is, this is the right moment, uh, even though it feels totally awkward, maybe because it feels totally awkward. It's, it's awkward for me. This, this moment is super awkward for me. And I'm guessing it's probably awkward for you. But this is actually... No. <laughs> an important moment. Because this awkward moment is... No. <laughs> I'll start all over. We could be here all day. I'm going to start over. It's actually an important moment leading from something great to something greater. Because uh, this moment may be awkward, but it's special. And I'll tell you, one person recognizes that other than me, and it's Val. Val understands that. So she stands up, and she starts to clap real slow. That's right, that's right. And she's clapping because God has done so much. And we are so grateful. And Jess understands that. And so Jess stands up and she starts clapping nice and slow, right? Because God, we clap because God has changed our lives. And he has used us to change the lives of others. And Corn Dog recognizes that. He stands up and he starts clapping. And Jason over here, even though he's wearing a cowboy's hat, he stands up. And he starts clapping because it's all for Jesus. We clap for Jesus. And Chloe understands that. And she stands up and she starts clapping. And Dawson and Marissa and Jennifer stands up. And pretty soon everyone is standing up. And we're all clapping. And it's all for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. We are so grateful for what God has done here. But he's going to do so much more. We are going to know Jesus more, and we are going to help more people know Jesus. It's been great, but it's going to be greater. 
And we end every service at Verve by shouting Viva La Verve, which means live the life. Listen, it's the life that Jesus came and lived so we could live and died so we could live. And we don't need to be called Verve to live that life. We're going to keep living it. We're going to live it in greater ways and experience greater things because the best is yet to come. So this might be the last time we ever shout Viva La Verve, but that's okay because it's never been about shouting it. It's about living it. And so be here next week, 10 o'clock. I love you guys. We'll see you then. And for the rest of our lives, Viva La Verve!